Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Eurotrip. We are back again. It's Wednesday, and we're here for your weekly dose of Eurovision podcasting activity. I don't know where that came from, but we are rolling with it. Um, It was a very busy Easter weekend. There was some fun stuff going on online. We especially did something very exciting on Sunday on our Twitter account. So glad to see so many of you getting involved. But Rob, I hear you were up to something very intriguing on Sunday itself. Indeed, as I'm sure many of you did, uh, despite the fact that society would suggest that you are too old for this, I'm sure many of you partook in some sort of Easter egg hunt over the weekend, which, why not? It's very enjoyable. There's usually chocolate involved. What's not to love? Uh, But mine at my parents' house, because now restrictions in the UK here have eased, managed to see my parents over the weekend, which was very nice. Uh, I uh, managed to, in the process of taking part in said uh, Easter egg hunt, uh, managed to break my parents' garden fence. Uh, now, if you just want a little bit of a, an insight into what that sounded like, uh, here is the noise of the incident as it unfolded, as recorded by my, as you will shortly hear, very Geordie mother. Back off, I saw that old bird! <laughs> hey! Oh, the fence is broke! Never broke the fence. So, James, do you want to explain to the listeners what a Geordie is? Uh, you heard my mum there in a, giving a bit of a Geordie twang, uh, you being a Geordie yourself. Yeah, it's, uh, it, I think Geordies typically are described as a, uh, a highly respected member of the United Kingdom population. Yeah, I'm not sure that's it. Whereabouts in the UK are you from? That's kind of what was after. Ah, OK. Newcastle. Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Best city in the world. Uh, it's one of my faves. One of my faves. Maybe don't say that. Uh, maybe don't say that though. With the the Road to Rotterdam feature coming up, they'll get offended. Yeah, uh, not the Road to Rotterdam though. It's uh, Euro trips Rotterdam road trip. Never mind. I know. I know what you mean. Legally different. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Carry on. Easter egg hunt sounded very fun. Sounded very fun. Uh, got some chocolate in the end after the fence had broken. At which point my mum then said, "But you can't have the chocolate because actually that's last year's chocolate, and I couldn't be able to buy any more, so you can't eat it because it's all out of date." 
<laughs> Says the nearly 30-year-old doing an Easter egg hunt. Any parents' garden. What a fun weekend. Yes, the magic of Easter. Right there. I'm sure that's what Jesus would have wanted. <laughs> anyway, this is a Eurovision podcast, and this is the Eurotrip. As Jan Alessandro always said, take it away. After Hilversum, Amsterdam and The Hague, the festival is going to make its home in Rotterdam. I really hope that, you know, you will enjoy the show this year. I want to send a message to all the people. Join us on the dark side. Let's have a party in Rotterdam. I'm Rambo Amadeus. Hi, my name is Andrus Mamontovas. Hello, my name is Sana Nielsen. I'm Paul Harrington. And I am Charlie McGettigan, believe it or not. I'm Dave Benton, winner of the Eurovision 2001. Hey, I'm Eldar, the winner of Eurovision 2011. Hi, I'm Chris Bjorkman. Hi there, my name is Martin Estadal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. So hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week, one of the favourites to win Eurovision 2021, Destiny from Malta. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Of course, she was meant to represent Malta last year at the Eurovision Song Contest in 2020, but like so many of the artists who couldn't take part, uh, she is back to represent the small Mediterranean nation with Jumacast, and as Rob says, she's one of the favourites to win this year. It was very exciting to be able to speak to her earlier in the week about her preparations for Rotterdam this year. Of course, as well, she is a junior Eurovision winner, so she should be making history this year if she went on to win the adult contest. Uh, we speak about all sorts in the interview, including a question I love to ask the 2021 artist, what they will be doing in the hotel rooms they're going to spend so much time in this year. You're finally singing, probably waking up everyone in the morning with the song. Ah, singing. <laughs> I, I, will wake, I will probably wake up at half of the hotel. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all of the stories that come out of the Eurovision Hotel. I don't know if it's called the Eurovision Hotel. It sounds like a sitcom or some sort of reality TV show, but I'll be calling it the Eurovision Hotel. So more of Destiny to come later on in the episode. But also, we're going a little bit highbrow on the podcast this week. I will be speaking to the postdoctoral researcher. She's a doctor, don't you know, from Utrecht in the Netherlands who is currently in the middle of a project involving your friend and mine, the Eurovision Song Contest, so that's very exciting. And also, the Eurotrip's Rotterdam road trip continues. I'll be sitting down with Cheryl Samson as well a little bit later, and probably testing my Dutch language skills. You're listening on Acast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. That's right, thank you so much as ever for joining us, as we are now... And this is a way to get around the confusion about how many days it is until the contest. Give or take 45 days. <laughs> Give or take. We are roughly, <laughs> roughly six or seven weeks. Yeah, something like that. About 45 days to go until the grand final of the Eurovision Song Contest. And as we put out on our Twitter account the other day, after 701 days of waiting, we can finally say it is Eurovision next month. It's so exciting, isn't it? I can't believe it. I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing for it. I don't know whether you've started your, your Eurovision party plans yet, by the way. Uh, not quite. There is a box in the loft which is full of flags, full of bunting. We've got all sorts up there that will be making an appearance very, very soon. 
Yeah, I'm pleased that I'm not alone in in having a box of flags. I feel like it's kind of a, a Eurovision fan staple, isn't it? The old box of flags. I don't know about yours though, but mine is is sort of geographically incorrect because if you hang it the wrong way around, the Dutch flag suddenly becomes, I think, Luxembourg. So actually, it kind of works for both. Well, that does work. No, our bunting is fairly good, to be fair. Uh, <clears throat> it does have Slovakia on there, which is a bit out of date at the moment. Um, but I'm prepared for when they come back. Yeah, any nibbles planned? Uh, th- I'm not. I'm not that prepared. Blimey! I've still got give or take forty five days to go. I've got some planning still to go. That's that's very true. That's very true. Uh, Segway. Uh, there it is. Uh, <laughs> one group who I'm sure know how many days it is to the Eurovision Song Contest were the big guests on last week's Eurotrip podcast. Uh, your friends and mine, the Finnish rock band Blind Channel, or to be more precise, Nico and Joel from Blind Channel. Uh, They joined us to tell us all about their preparations for Rotterdam. And as ever, plenty of you have had many lovely things to say about James, your interview with the boys last week. Yeah, fantastic to speak to them last week. Got a great response uh, from you guys over on... I was going to say over online. Uh, you know what I mean? On Twitter, mainly. It's not It's not 2001. We're a bit more switched on than that. <laughs> so thanks for getting in touch with us online. On the World Wide Webs. www.twitter.com. Uh, Elaine got in touch to say, I feel sorry for whoever in uh, Hotel Eurovision has rooms adjoining Blind Channel, as they write the new album. Absolutely. Uh, and we also got a tweet from a Spanish listener. So it's all in Spanish, cruelly translated on Google, to they are coming to win and they should win. Put it very simply, but couldn't have put it better myself. Indeed. There are a lot of a lot of fans of Blind Channel out there online on the uh, on the World Wide Webs <laughs> in, out in hyperspace, as I think you could could say. Uh, so, yeah, I think they are going to do very well. They've been already charting in, in many, uh, many countries that are involved in this year's European Song Contest. Uh, I'm also enjoying the the uh, picture that we're managing to build of Hotel Eurovision. So, so far from our interviews, we've got uh, Albina, who's going to be nibbling on our ice cream. We've got Blind Channel. Who who knows? Maybe next door to Albina, if the rooms are assigned alphabetically, uh, she she'll be uh, Blind Channel rather. They'll be they'll be making their album. It's all very exciting. It's, uh, yeah, hopefully, if we ask everybody the same question, we can build a good picture, and then we can pitch it as a TV program and make a load of money from it. Yeah, it's gonna be a quick turnaround though. They'll be in that hotel room in. Roughly, give or take. No, we're not, <laughs> we're not doing that again. Uh, but no, loads of you also uh, getting in touch because you have understandably already secured your place in the Euro Trips Eurovision 2021 sweepstake. Uh, so we've mentioned this for the last couple of weeks, but we are holding our own sweepstake here. Uh, normally, there is a, a monetary prize on offer for a sweepstake, but uh, not on our, not on, not on our podcast. Uh, but more on that in just a second. But uh, as as some of you have emailed us, hello at eurotrippodcast.com to secure your place. Uh, you've also had some lovely comments about the podcast. So uh, Victoria, she emailed, say, I'm a fairly new listener, but I really love your podcast and look forward to it every week. So thank you. Uh, Stuart said, uh, please, please, can I get involved in the sweepstake? Uh, Pete said, I'm listening along. Please let me be involved. And we also got a lovely message from Stuart, who says, uh, great work with the excellent podcasts. Always a joy to listen to, and you both make me smile and laugh. Don't know whether that's kind of out of sympathy, or <laughs> actually finds us funny, who knows. Uh, I've only failed to get the one-second song right once, and enjoy feeling smug when I know. Thank you both for the hard work. Well, Stuart, thank you very much indeed. But right now, 
we've got an exciting development in the world of the Eurotrip podcast, Eurovision Sweepstake for 2021, because my colleague, Mr. James Rowe, has uh, got something pretty exciting to share with you. Yeah, so we've said all along that there's no monetary prize in our sweepstake, which is fair enough, but plenty of you are still getting excited at the prospect of bagging yourself some uh, exclusive Eurovision memorabilia. I have. You can hear it. My box. You can see it, Rob. My box. He's got a box. He's got his box out for us, everybody. Uh, And we've got some very exciting things in here that you probably couldn't get elsewhere. And this is is what the winner of the Eurovision 2021 sweepstake here on the Eurotrip podcast could win. Is that right? Could win. What I'm going to do is I'm going to show you, Rob, just one of the things. I'm not going to tell anybody what it is. I'll put the box aside. One moment. Apologies for the rustling, everybody. Add, uh, add some sort of depth to the sound, doesn't it? All that sound. It's a little bit ASMR, isn't it, on the podcast this week? It is, isn't it? I'm going to hold up one item that people could potentially win uh, by playing along. Before I show you, don't forget, hello at eurotrippodcast.com. All we need to know is your name and your Twitter username. Just say, hello, I want to be involved. Let us know. You could win this. Oh, goodness. You weren't expecting that, were you? I wasn't. Uh, that is very much a Eurovision act that I had completely forgotten about. <laughs> uh, and if you can't tell what it is, Rob, it's this. Oh, it's a little, it's a little tote bag. It is. It's a tote bag with a forgettable Eurovision artist's name on it. Fantastic. So that is just one of the prizes that you could be winning. A tote bag, always very useful. Absolutely, yeah. So don't say we don't give you anything here on the Eurotrip. You could win a very essential item. And and more besides that, uh, can we can we potentially get the box back out next week and we can reveal another item? Absolutely. I had a rustle through it earlier on. Oh, there's some blinders in there. <laughs> well, that's something to look forward to. Make sure you join us next week for that. Uh, and as James has already said, if you want to secure your place in the Eurotrip podcast Eurovision sweepstake for 2021, it is very simple. Just email us hello at eurotrippodcast.com. Loads of you have done already, but there are still a few places left. So get in touch if you're interested. You too could win that very exciting tote bag. Uh, But from one exciting event to another, it's time for this. That's right, the very, very important sounding music there tells us it's time for only one thing, and that is the latest Eurovision news. In a week, actually, where it has been very quiet, we're so used to, especially during national final season, where there's so much going on, but in the last seven days, it's been like a week off. Yeah, it's all all a bit strange, isn't it? Because we've got this lull period this year that we wouldn't normally have because the weekend just gone, of course, you know, would have been when we would have been partying away at the, the London Eurovision party and, and we would have had other pre-parties to look forward to. But that's not to say there aren't any pre-parties this year. Uh, more to come in just a second from my learned colleague. Very pleased to have got the word learned into the podcast <laughs> wow. this week. We are very highbrow today. Aren't we just? And you attributed that word to me. How very, how very honoured I am. But uh, but anyway, what I was trying to say is normally there'd be loads going on. This year, not a huge amount going on, but it has resulted in, and I've had a huge amount of enjoyment from this, the, the official Eurovision social accounts are doing what they can to bring us some great content. Uh, so much so that I learned that uh, Roxon from Romania loves a bit of Mario Kart. 
Uh, I naturally can't remember any of the rest, but I'm sure it's all good. <laughs> but yes, the the colleagues over there on the Eurovision official channels are doing a tremendous job at bringing us closer to the artist. We're doing our best as well here on the podcast. More from Destiny a little bit later on. But I can take you on a whistle-stop tour through the very small amount of stories that have been happening, if you wish. Uh, I imagine it will be very whistly. I imagine it will be very, very, very prompt and sharpish. I will do my best to be whistly, sharp and sharpish. And prompt. And prompt, of course. Uh, we'll start with the big news of the week, which is that there will be a live audience inside the Ahoy in Rotterdam for Eurovision 2021. Uh, 3,500 fans, which is about half the original intended capacity, will be welcome in each show as the contest is used as a test event to see how live events can take place in the Netherlands as the world overcomes the pandemic. Uh, last week, we found out uh, that a plethora of Eurovision winners will form part of the Interval Act this year. And this week, it was announced that Afrojack, Glenis Grace and Wolf are set to appear in the grand final as well. Uh, in a documentary on Norwegian TV station NRK, Tix has revealed that he almost withdrew from Melody Grand Prix following his semi-final. Uh, he said the negative coverage of him as a performer made him call NRK and say he wanted to withdraw. Uh, thankfully, of course, as you know, he stayed in the competition and will be travelling to Rotterdam next month. Uh, never mind 2021, though, Switzerland is already working on 2022 as the broadcasters have already opened up applications for the 100-member jury who will be responsible for choosing the nation's song for next year. Potentially a contest on home soil, with John's Tears one of the favourites to win this year. A song which he has revealed in the past week was originally set to be in English. And finally, we teased it last week, but Uvor TV has announced Concert in the Dark, one of the only Eurovision pre-parties to be taking place this year. It will feature 2021 artists, national finalists, and a handful of special guests. And the event has partnered with More Trees, as organisers aim to do good for the climate as well. Yeah, it's very exciting, as James said. Some of the artists of 2021, loads of special guests, and uh, seemingly the rest of the budget had run out, and me. So make sure you join us for that one. Uh, but I've already mentioned how highbrow the podcast has been so far. And it's only going to get more intellectual, ladies and gentlemen, because we are taking things up a notch. You may have seen on Twitter over the last few weeks, there has been a doctor who has been after your help. Well, that doctor is Dr. Abby Weisdorf. She's a postdoctoral researcher uh, based at Utrecht University in the Netherlands. And she's currently working on a very special project involving the Eurovision Song Contest. And she wants to hear from you. Uh, she put a tweet out on March the 16th, so a few weeks ago, saying, All right, with national final season over and a good few months still to go to the grand final, I need interview subjects for my Eurovision research. Naturally, this prompted our interest, didn't it? It certainly did, yeah. She was wanting to interview people, but we wanted to interview her because we thought it was so, so fascinating to find out exactly what she was doing. And Rob, you were the one who sat down with her earlier in the week to find out exactly what it is she's doing. Exactly. We thought, let's find out more. Who better to tell us than the woman herself? So I started by asking Dr. Abby why she'd chosen Eurovision as the subject for this very, very intriguing project. Well, I mean, for one, I'm a Eurovision fan. Uh, I can talk to I can talk to that. Um, so I am a Eurovision fan. I like Eurovision. I'm well known for that um, in my friends groups, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the project that I'm on is about audiovisual heritage and uses and reuses of audiovisual heritage. 
Um, so when I was developing the project, um, I wanted to do, I was a three-year postdoc, I wanted to do two case studies. Um, and I was thinking about, well, where do, where might people actually be using heritage material um, in a very broadly defined sense and, you know, going into archives or looking at archival material in a, in a broad sense. And I thought, well, Eurovision seems like one of those places. And that seems like something I can really do something interesting with in terms of how people use archives, how people look through them, how people make sense of them, how people kind of incorporate them um, into their lives in a lot of ways. Um, also, it made a really good contrast to the first case study, which was about military remix videos. I was going to say, you couldn't get much more contrasting from the Eurovision Song Contest and, and military videos. That's really quite the, uh, quite the stark contrast, isn't it? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so I wanted something that would be, yeah, so you know, things that would look very different. Um, and also kind of, you know, the military videos were really interesting, but also it can be diff difficult going through all of those comments and kind of really going deep into this fandom. Um, well, fandom, however you want to describe it. Um, so I wanted something that I would actually enjoy that I would enjoy a little more. At the start of all this, you know, you said that you are a Eurovision fan yourself, of course, yeah. and, and that's one of the reasons why you're, you're interested in, in this. But our listeners may be listening and they may think, actually, you sound American, Abby. So, so you are one of the, I was going to say small, but not that small, American community of, of Eurovision fans. So how did, how did you get into Eurovision in the first place? Well, I got to Eurovision in the first place. Um, God, 2005 was a really long time ago, wasn't it? <laughs> I was doing a study abroad in the UK um, in my undergrad, so 2005. Um, I discovered Eurovision through that because I was there kind of at the right time. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. Um, you know, it just seemed there was something about it. You know, I think a lot of us have this experience of seeing it and something really being very striking about it. And there was just some, you know, in early YouTube years where you just try to find interesting videos to show to your friends. Um, you could always go to Lordi or Verka Sadutka and say, check out this. You have not seen this before. Absolutely. And it's unlike anything that your friends have ever seen before. And I bet some of those reactions were priceless, weren't they? The first time oh, I saw absolutely. some of those. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. Um, just kind of doing that. And then kind of through there, you just you get more into it. You start paying attention. Um, you they develop the ability to stream it live. Um, you know, you had to install some kind of weird software. It was a whole, it was a whole production in the, in the late 2000, in the sort of the, the late 2000s. Um, but it was possible. Um, and so that was really exciting. Um, so I, I kind of got into it more and more from there. And then I moved um, to the Netherlands in, 20, in 2010, in the fall of 2010. Um, and it just, you know, kept, you know, it kept going. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I went to Dusseldorf in 2011 um, and just kind of, yeah, kept kept watching, kept getting involved and, and interested in it. Um, and now, you know, it's, it's something that people tend to know me for. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Now, back to the piece of work that you're that you're here to talk to us about. What is it that you are trying to find out? If it, are you able to kind of dissect that for for everybody listening? Yeah, I mean, what I'm really interested in and kind of what brought me to using Eurovision in the first place was looking at the way that um, archives and sort of heritage in quotes um, shapes people's Eurovision fandom um, and kind of in the way that people make use of older contests, older material, videos on YouTube, um, video, you know, videos on the Eurovision site, you know, all these kind of things that kind of go into people's fandom and how um, older contests and older material um, are used in this. I think I had originally thought sort of pre-pandemic, I was gonna uh, look at it on um, 
focuses around um, YouTubers, around people who sort of make content um, around these around these things. But um, when Eurovision again started and kind of as the pandemic was going on, I got really more interested in this kind of more ordinary uses of heritage and ordinary uses of um, Eurovision's past in sort of the present of the fandom and the present of the, the people who are involved with it. I started following more people on Twitter and kind of seeing how people talked about um, old contests and watching them and kind of all these different things. So I thought, you know, I just refocused it a little bit to kind of make it more something that I could look into, okay, what are these roles that they play in the present? Very heritage researcher sort of uh, sort of question, but I, I, you know, I think it's an interesting one. Absolutely, I think so. I think this is a, a dream for a, kind of a for Eurovision fan to be working on something like this. Now, one thing that I've seen across Twitter, I'm sure many of our listeners have seen as well, is is you kind of reaching out, asking for people to to get in touch, to hear their stories about their usage, and you know, you you must have had some some really interesting conversations about all of this. Yeah, you know, I've really just started, um, but the response has been great. You know, I was really not sure um, how people would respond to, you know, someone asking, oh, you know, I need I need respondents who wants to be interviewed. The response has been great. um, So that's been really exciting. And there's just been really interesting ways that people um, make sense of the contest and think about it, um, but also use it. Um, from sort of people like you who are making podcasts and sort of making materials and using this as kind of a way to um, make better podcasts, you know, and kind of really think about the contest, but also people who, you know, just going to school, going about their daily lives um, will pull up a playlist of, you know, their old Eurovision favorites, just have it on when they're cooking. And people who love the contest for, its spectacle for its um, and and for its technical capacities as well um, for you know doing you know how interested they are in the staging and the the way that they make it work and the way that people have made it work kind of throughout the decades you know and the way that changes but also people who are just really really interested in the music and the different musical styles and kind of the way that they all combine there's there's so much to Eurovision. Now, it's only been in the last few days that we found out that, you know, there is actually going to be an audience at this year's contest, an audience of, of Dutch fans. And you are in the Netherlands and you said you already had tickets for the contest that, that was cancelled. So are you hoping that you might actually get to be Ahoy in Rotterdam? I am very much hoping. Um, not quite. Sh- they're not quite sure or I'm not sure how they're going to actually do this yet. But I'm really hoping um, as a quote unquote Dutch fan. Well, you know. Um, you know, and someone resident here, at least, you know, I'm, I am really hoping, I think that would be, that'd be really nice. You know, I was, I was very disappointed. Um, you know, I was very sad when, when the contest was canceled. I think like a lot of us were, um, you know, of course, in the scheme of things, there's a lot more going on, but I was really looking forward to, um, having it here and to showing off Rotterdam, um, which is a place I'm really fond of. Um, I did my PhD there. Um, so I think that, w- that would have been a lot of fun to, to just show the city to people. Um, but still, I'm hoping that, you know, I can be I can be part of the audience there. That would that would be something. Oh, well, good luck. Our fingers, our fingers are crossed for you anyway. That'd be amazing. And, and just to just to finish off, as I said, you've, you've already had loads of brilliant submissions from from fans. You've been able to have loads of brilliant conversations. Have you got enough? Are you still looking for people? Where are you at with that? I'm definitely still looking for people. Um, you know, I would love to, you know, I, I would love to hear kind of the, the variety um, and kind of a, a things that's possible you know I don't feel like I'm at saturation point yet you know we'll see when I start actually transcribing these interviews it's it's fun to do them and then I you know and then I'll have to uh, 
spend a lot of time on my computer typing them up. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely still looking would still, you know, like to talk to people. Um, so if you have something that you want to say, you know, if you're, you're interested in kind of this angle to looking at Eurovision and Eurovision fans, I'd love to talk to you. And, and if people want to reach out, I'm guessing Twitter is probably the best way. Twitter so is probably the best way to get to it. So um, where, where can people find you on there? So my Twitter name is awfully underscore good. Um, that's uh, less, you know, I guess it's easier than spelling out my last name, but only, only, only uh, slightly. Um, and that's probably the best way to contact me. Um, you know, I'm usually there. You can usually find me and then we can go from there um, and kind of set everything up. Brilliant. Abby, thank you so much for having a chat to us. And thank you for having me. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast, warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So thank you very much to Dr. Abby Weisdorf for joining us on the podcast. Uh, hopefully, not the last time we hear from Dr. Abby, if she is lucky enough, as we mentioned there, to, to get those tickets for Rotterdam 2021 one of the select few who could actually be seeing Eurovision in the flesh this year. Uh, and if she is successful, we'll get her back on and we'll find out what that's like. Because we, the rest of us, can only imagine what it would be like going to a Eurovision Song Contest this year. We're not going to have a clue, are we? There's only Dutch fans going. She's technically classed as a Dutch fan, given she's based there. Uh, so if we can get any insight from her in the future, I'm sure we can bring it to you. Um, yeah, in the future. Certainly not in the past, at least, anyway. But now... Rob, please, may I continue and take us further on the Eurotrip's Rotterdam road trip? This is the Eurotrip's Rotterdam road trip. So as we've just mentioned, we're hoping to get an insight into Eurovision 2021 and what it's like to attend as a fan from Abby in the next few weeks. But here on the podcast over the last few weeks and in the weeks to come, we are giving you an insight into life in this year's Eurovision host city with the catchiest named segment on any podcast. You will hear this side of the Atlantic and on the other side of the Atlantic and in the middle of the Atlantic. Depends where you are listening, I suppose. Anyway, it's the Eurotrips Rotterdam road trip. I have had the pleasure of chatting to a couple of Rotterdam residents over the last two weeks. Uh, but James, you took a trip, virtually of course, to everybody's favourite Dutch port city earlier on. Oh, blimey. Talk about the Eurotrip Rotterdam road trip. You took us on a bit of a road trip there just getting to me, didn't you? Wow. Uh, but I have, yeah. I've sat down with another Rotterdam resident this week. Uh, it's Cheryl Samsung. Uh, I'm going to read out a Twitter bio. It sort of gives you a bit of an overview of everything that she is. Uh, Prince fan, Motown, films, music, radio maker, podcast maker, open Rotterdam, freelancer, song festival. So naturally, you spent half an hour talking to her about Prince, yeah? Yeah, that's that's right. We spoke about Prince. We spoke about whatever else I read out there. Fascinating, uh, fascinating chat. And then I thought, Eurovision, Rotterdam, we must talk about it. And that we did indeed speak about because she does live in Rotterdam, but she is also a massive Eurovision fan, just like me, just like Rob, just like you listening at home. Uh, so it was great to be able to speak to her about what it is like for a Rotterdam resident who was also a Eurovision fan. But... Rob started both of his interviews in the last couple of weeks by asking a really insightful, probing, difficult question. The killer. The killer question. The killer question. I thought, I'm going to brave it. I'm going to do it myself. So I started off by asking Cheryl, what's the weather like in Rotterdam? 
do you really want to know the weather in Rotterdam today? Because it's not very typical April weather at this moment. It's snowing. It's <laughs> snowing. Wow. It is snowing. And there was a big hailstorm uh, a couple of minutes uh, ago. But last week, it, the weather was beautiful spring weather. But today, not so much. So it's cold. It's snowing. But uh, I, tomorrow could be completely different. Now, at the moment, um, we're looking uh, across Europe and there seems to be a lot more restrictions coming across Europe at the moment when, when we're looking at the news. It, it seems to differ everywhere we look. So can you give us an idea about what the, the COVID restrictions are looking like in, in Rotterdam and in the Netherlands at the moment? There is a curfew in uh, the Netherlands, so also a curfew in uh, Rotterdam. It used to be until nine o'clock, but now there is uh, the summer uh, daylight savings, I think it's called. Um, so it's now until 10 o'clock that you can go outside. You cannot buy alcohol after eight o'clock, so <laughs> in the supermarkets. Uh, and also that those are the main restrictions. It's still the one and a half uh, meter Distance is also a restriction. Um, the face masks are uh, obliged in supermarkets, in stores. Stores are mainly closed now. Some you can get into by appointment. But those are the, what they call the non-essential stores. And you can get in uh, uh, by appointment. And those, I think, are the, are the main restrictions at this moment. Now... One thing that has changed in the Netherlands is the fact that there are events allowed to take place with some audiences. And last week we found out that the Eurovision Song Contest this year in Rotterdam will indeed have an audience, a small audience, but an audience nonetheless. How exciting is it for you in Rotterdam to be finding out that there are going to be people allowed to go there? Well, let me say first that... I was heartbroken when I heard that, you know, everybody got their money back, got a refund, everybody who got, who, who bought tickets. And I was, I was so happy when we got the Eurovision in Rotterdam. I'm a huge fan. We waited so long to win again. We won and it's in Rotterdam. So I was thinking party for everybody, dance. And uh, I was going to show all my Eurovision fans from all over Europe, around my city. We would have had Euro Fan Cafe, the Euro Club, we have the Euro Village, and suddenly poof, everything just collapsed, imploded. But now it's 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 said that it's it's going to be a field lab with uh, 3,500 people. So yes, I was very excited to hear that, but again, a bit worried. How do I get in? What do I need to do? Uh, can my friends join me as well? Please, who do I need to bribe to get in? No, not bribe, not really bribe. You, you misheard that. You misheard that. <laughs> Just buy tickets, I meant. How do I get tickets? One question I have for you is, I can hear the passion that you have for the Eurovision Song Contest. I'll ask you about it in just a second, but are you on the list? Are you hoping to be able to go to the Ahoy this year? I hope I'm, I'm able to go to the Ahoy and I hope there will still be some kind of village and I hope there will be some Euro cafe or Euro club. Uh, I know it's, it's, it's hope, it's probably in vain, but still a girl can hope, a woman can hope, please. And all within the restriction, of course, all everything to be, uh, to be safe first. That's, that's, that's very important. But I'm really hoping that we can make something of it because we've been waiting for, for two years now for this event. So 
uh, let's make the most of it. But yeah, I'm really hoping that something can take place. And I really hope to be part of it somehow. And I really hope to be there. Because let's face it, if you watch it on, on television and it's going to be an empty ahoy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah. as good as with an alive audience, is it? Exactly. You know, we need the flags, we need the hysteria. That's also part of your vision, I think. For you, we mentioned this earlier on about how much you are a fan of the Eurovision Song Contest. How long have you been a fan? Uh, well, I'm, I'm 47, so way back when we didn't have that much television. So you, you had to watch it because it was a big event of the year and you didn't, everybody talked about it on uh, back in school. I have to admit, uh, I was a big fan from that day on just because the Netherlands did very well for a while until the, the late 90s, the early zeros. And that's when I also started to think, hmm, I'm not sure if I'm liking it anymore because the songs got less, the act won more than the song. But of very good friend of mine he was very loyal to the Eurovision and because of his enthusiasm I got reeled back in so I think with Wild Dances and before that I, I really went back into Eurovision thinking, okay it's amazing I know I, why I loved it then and I still know why I love it now but I do remember I was in Malmö when uh, Anouk participated and uh, I was sitting in between two Swedes who didn't have any clue about Eurovision. Yes, I found the only two Swedes who have no clue about Eurovision uh, because I met them traveling and they were completely flabbergasted thinking, where, where am I? So, okay, just, we're sending our Madonna now, okay? This is, this is Anouk, this is our Madonna. If she doesn't qualify, the Netherlands might say, okay, forget it. We tried it. We've tried it every time. We sent so many great artists. Now, if they don't, if we don't qualify with Anouk, that's it. We're quitting. And the Netherlands were there from the very first edition. But yeah, that's that, that, that's how. We, that's what your vision is. Sometimes you think a country will go through definitely, and then you go, oh, okay, unexpected, uh, didn't go through. So yeah, that's also the charm, I think, of your vision. It is. So you never know. Ability or something. Yeah. Yeah, it can be very unexpected sometimes, but thankfully, yeah. thankfully now the Netherlands do take it a bit more seriously, and thankfully the Netherlands now does. Now you send. have to take it a bit more seriously as well. The UK. We're trying. The UK is trying. <laughs> I assure you. <laughs> Maybe in a few more years we I will. Mean, I think I'm still I'm so confused because you're the country of all the greatest artists <laughs> in the world, almost. You know, ever since the Beatles conquered the world, you have Adele, you have Kate Bush, you have Ed Sheeran, you have the greatest artists. I still. When it comes to Eurovision, eh. in a few years' time, maybe you'll do the Eurovision podcast and you can interview me about what it's like in the UK when the UK is ready I to host will, it. How about that? I will. <laughs> now, tell me, I'd love to know about Rotterdam as a city. What, if international fans were allowed to come this year, what sort of things would they be able to get up to? What sort of activities, what could they get up to if international fans were coming along to Rotterdam this year? What would you recommend? Rotterdam is a very new city, and uh, what I think happens, uh, as soon as you step out Amsterdam Central Station, you love it. It's beautiful, it's buzzing, and it's, it's amazing. Uh, but in Rotterdam, it's different. We have a beautiful Central Station, don't get me wrong, it's on prices and everything. It's very unique, but it's not a very, how do you say, welcoming city. You have to make a bit of an effort to, to, to like the city. And it's also the same with the people. They don't 
immediately embrace you. They go like, oh, uh, who are you? And what do you want from me? And so, yes, go there and leave me alone. Uh, so you have to make an effort with the people as well. And uh, what's also in, in Rotterdam more and more nowadays is that it's not all centered. So there's lots of nice things in the city center. But if you want to see something very special, you have to go outside. But there are a few places where you can find uh, the very old atmosphere of Rotterdam that is uh, in the west of the city. Historisch Delshaven, it's called. Historical uh, Delshaven. That's where the Pilgrim Fathers left for America. And it really is that old. And yeah, you have a windmill there and uh, very small canals. And it's all very old and it's very, very nice, but it's very small. I also like the Nieuwe Binnenweg. It's a one of the longest uh, shopping streets in the country almost. And if you start at the beginning, you go all the way, you end up in uh, Historisch Delshaven. And that's, there's everything. You find everything that Rotterdam is. You find nice cafes, you find Cape Verde restaurants, uh, African restaurants, Turkish, Moroccan, Surinamese, everything that makes Rotterdam great, you can find there. So it is safe to say if people eventually, maybe later this year or next year, can finally travel out to Rotterdam, there is a lot for people to do. I think there is. Yeah, I think there is. But like I said, you have to make a bit of an effort. It's not all centred. You have to maybe go there, go there, go there. But the public transport is quite okay in uh, the Netherlands. So I think you'll find I think you'll find something to do. And I hope that if people come to visit, there is some more to do maybe go to museums or maybe some nice club you can go to. Yeah, I hope so. Now then, this is probably the part where most people look forward to because this is the part where uh, we've got to try and learn a Dutch word. This is the bit I wasn't looking forward to myself because I'm I'm almost certainly going to embarrass myself. Um, in the last couple of weeks, Rob has learned a couple of words and now I hear you have got a Dutch word or phrase for us to learn. It's not just a Dutch word or phrase it's a very Rotterdam phrase oh very uh, exciting yeah it's a bit old-fashioned it was very popular in the 80s and 90s so my generation but there's also a magazine with this word so yeah and of course I looked for a word with this nice Dutch G (laughs) yeah so uh, uh, you can really clear your throat when you you, you, uh, use this word it's called gers Okay, let Gers, me try. G-E-R-S, Gers. Hold on, let me try it. So, Gers. That was quite good. Gers, quite, yeah. quite good. A, yeah, it was. It, you know, it's not an easy word with a weird R in it as well. So, and it means, uh, oh, uh, Gerse trui, cool sweater. Gers, cool, dope, yeah. Well, there you go. But, let, me try, let me try that once more. So, Gers. Gers, yes. There we go. Good. So, so yeah. if somebody if somebody uses that word to describe something or someone, it's definitely a positive. It is positive. It's never negative. Yeah. Perfect. That is what we like to hear. You've given us <laughs> you've given us a brilliant insight uh, into Rotterdam. Uh, thank you so much for for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. Thank you. Here we go. This is this is the Euro trip. Euro trip. 
So a big thanks to Cheryl Samson for joining us here on the Eurotrip. And another word to add to our Dutch vocabulary, especially a word if you're going to travel back in time to the 80s and 90s, you'll fit right in in Rotterdam. As we are doing, to be fair, with a lot of this year's Eurovision songs. There's a lot of lot of 80s sounding tracks, so maybe it, maybe it'll maybe it'll work. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But maybe it will. But thanks, nonetheless, to Cheryl for joining us. Uh, great to get another insight uh, into what life is like in Rotterdam at the moment. Yes, thank you very much for starting the interview with the, the killer question that I've pioneered. I don't think anyone has ever asked anybody else <laughs> to start an interview with, what's the weather doing? Uh, so great, great to find out. And a, a bit of snow in Rotterdam this week. A bit of snow in uh, newcastle Pontine as well. Don't know about what it was like down where you are, but we had the snow as well. Uh, Chis Vegas here in London, <laughs> or uh, Southwest London for our uh, our listeners who have no interest in where I live. Uh, yeah, very sunny, very very sunny, but a little chilly for when I was doing the gardening earlier. This is all nonsense, and we've got an interview with Destiny, one of the favourites to win Eurovision this year, and we've still not got there yet. We haven't, and just before we do, because you mentioned Destiny, one of the entries into this year's Eurovision Song Contest, who knows, maybe you will draw Malta in this year's Eurotrip Podcast's Eurovision Sweepstake for 2021. We mentioned it earlier, James got his big box out. Well, if you want to get involved, hello at eurotrippodcast.com to reserve your place. Back to you. Thanks, Rob. I'll very quickly say, only a few spaces left, so you better be quick uh, but even if you think you're not being quick do so anyway because you may, may still get a space you know what I'm trying to say here basically just just get involved yeah we'll find a way to squeeze you in don't you worry but as I say Destiny one of the favourites to win Eurovision this year uh, sat down with her uh, earlier in the week actually it was on Good Friday how nice of her to give up her Good Friday to chat to me I'm sure it was in the diary for a very long time she was desperate to do it Uh, but she was a fantastic guest to have on the podcast she was a a wonderful wonderful human being and I'm very very excited to see what she's going to do at Eurovision this year of course as I mentioned at the top of the show I think she won junior Eurovision as well so she could make history to become the first junior winner to win the adult contest. But, of course, she is one of the artists who has carried her spot over from 2020 from the cancelled contest. So I started off by asking her what it feels like to finally, after more than a year of waiting, to be representing her country at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. I am very, very excited to be representing my country, finally. (laughs) Finally. And I'm very looking forward to perform the song for you as well. Now, it's not the first time you've been to Eurovision. It's not the first time you've done a singing competition. People, of course, will know you for winning junior Eurovision a few years back. You've done the X Factor in Malta. You've done Britain's Got Talent. You've done backing vocals at Eurovision as well. Um, How much of these experiences are going to help you to go to the adult contest as the main performer for the first time? Um. uh... As I always say, I am going to be very focused on my uh, performance because I want everything to be perfect on the night. So I am just focusing on delivering the best performance ever. And obviously I'm there to enjoy my time and I want to meet new, fr- make new friends and enjoy it with them. It's a journey you experience once, it's a once in a lifetime experience. So. I'm just going to go there, enjoy my time, and then whatever happens, happens. What's it like to be the main artist at the adult contest for the first time? Because like I say, you've done backing vocals um, back in 2019, but what's it like now to be the main focus, the main artist? 
to be honest, it's different, like because I have the spotlight and the limelight on me at the moment. So I feel like mm, I feel special. <laughs> um, it's it's a very it's a good feeling, you know, to to have people who work hard for you because they want you to deliver an amazing performance. So I'm very grateful to be experiencing this amazing opportunity. Now, you were meant to be at Eurovision in 2020. So many of this year's artists were also meant to be there back a year ago now. When did you start to work on the 2021 entry? When did you start to put your attention to Jim Akas? Um, We've been working over the past, like after the Eurovision got cancelled, we immediately started working on new songs because we wanted to have an amazing entry as well this year. Um, obviously I was focusing more on my music rather than Eurovision itself because I didn't know I was going to t- I didn't know I was going up again this year. Um, so after summer we started working on having the best song that we could possibly have and then Jimakas came along and we were like, we need this song. So baby, it's hard on me, baby. Yeah, I'm too good to be true. There's nothing in it for you. How involved were you in the songwriting process for Jimacast? Because it's you were, because it's very different to the song you had last year, isn't it? Yes, I was very involved. In fact, like I, uh, I was always with my. Um, manager Howard who we worked hand in hand on the song I used to stay at his studio for, I used to go at like 2 p 2 p.m and get out of the studio at like 12 uh, and so yes it was at midnight so it was very 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 hectic and uh, yes I was and throughout the process I was in it and I gave my input I changed things I managed to build up that middle eight section and I'm very happy and- to have part of it. Of course. Now, I'm sure you don't need me to tell you this, but you are indeed one of the favourites to win this year. Are your expectations also that high? Um, No, no, I am not expecting anything, especially to win. I'm not expecting winning, but I am just going there to I'm going there to give the best performance ever. And then whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to stay putting my hopes up because I know how small we are as a country, Malta, and we tend, it's difficult when it comes to televoting. So I'm just going to be focused and I'm going to make sure everything is going to go as planned. And is it stressful to be one of the favorites or do you quite enjoy that pressure of being one of the favorites to win? Um, It's not, uh, I wouldn't put, say I'm pressured. I obviously I am pressured, but not in in that sense. Um, I am very grateful to have had a song that people connected to and like a lot. So I'm happy. Now I think a lot of people are very very excited to see what the staging will look like because it's such an upbeat song. It's so fun. Uh, we've seen that you've been across to Bulgaria to film the, the live on tape performance if it needs to be used. Can you give us a little clue as to what you're going to be doing on stage? 
<laughs> secrets are there to, keep, to be kept, as I said in previous interviews, and I'm just going to keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> totally understand. I tried my best, at least. I did ask the question. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, how was the experience in, in Bulgaria? I saw you with some other artists there, uh, Stephanie from Greece, of course. It looked like you were having a lot of fun there with her too. Yes, yes, really enjoyed it. It was an amazing, um, and it was amazing to see her again after five years. And we say we spoke, we had a chat, we took photos and videos. Obviously, um, uh, it, Bulgaria was a, an amazing experience to be honest as well. And uh, we went there to film the live on tape. Obviously, I cannot reveal anything, so <laughs> just putting it out there. <laughs> but um, I really enjoyed it. Yes, I did. Well, as I say, we're very, very excited to see what it looks like because it's a fun song and yeah, I think you're going to smash it for sure. Um, There's still a few weeks to go as we're chatting now. There's still a few weeks to go until you head out to Rotterdam. Uh, Apart from doing interviews like this with me and other people, what else are you going to be doing to prepare yourself uh, for the the finals? Um, um, Obviously, I have... Now I'm working with Sasha Jean-Baptiste and her amazing team and we're working on the performance and the moves and everything that will happen on stage and the more I'm working on my vocals because I want to be 100% not 100 110% I'm sure of myself so that those are the preparations mostly then there are the clothes the hair the makeup and everything I've spoken to some other artists who are competing. I spoke to um, Blind Channel, who are from Finland this year, and I asked them what they're going to be doing in their hotel room, because, of course, it's going to look a bit different this year. You're going to be spending a lot of time by yourself because of the restrictions. They said they're going to be writing an album in their spare time. What are you going to be doing in your hotel room while you've got so much spare time on your hands? Probably practicing. That's my aim to practice, 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 practice. <laughs> That's what you'll find me singing. Probably waking up everyone in the morning with the song. Ah, singing. <laughs> I I will wake. I will probably wake up half the hotel, especially my floor. <laughs> but yes, I would be practicing. Maybe doing social media. Uh, so it's safe to say, if anybody listening is uh, going to be in the same hotel room or the same hotel rather as Destiny, get some earplugs if you want a decent yeah. night's sleep. So <laughs> do a good one. <laughs> um, now, finally, of course, you mentioned before it might be difficult for, for Malta to get those televote points. So because of that, you'll need so many people across Europe to be picking up their phones and voting for you. So do you have a message for your fans across Europe who, of course, you want to be voting for you this year? I want to thank them, all the fans and all the support you're giving me. I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart because the feedback I got is incredible. I, 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 you can't put it in words. I'm so thankful to have you all as my supporters who support me. They've been supporting me since 2015, some of them now, and I'm so thankful to have more people reaching out to me. Um, I can't wait to perform my song, Jumakas, to you all. And I hope that with my performance, you'll vote for me. And uh, I would have to, uh, by voting for me, I'll sing it again in the final. I hope, let's, I am hoping, let's hope for the best. And obviously I would like to send all of my love to you all. Destiny, uh, thank you so much for joining us and I wish you the very best of luck. Thank you. How sweet. Thank you. This is the Euro Trip.
Well, that was very clever by Destiny, wasn't it? I don't know if you picked up on it, Rob. I don't know if you picked it up at listening at home. She wants to send all of my love to you at home. Do you get it? Do you get it? I would... No, that was going to sound quite sinister, actually. I was going to say, I would send Destiny <laughs> my last breath. Wow. Bit much. Do you want a, any other 2020 song titles you want to throw in? Uh, not from that from that performance from you. I think we should move on. I'll tell you what, though. You, sir, were... On fire. Wow, you really do make me think about things. Hey, that'll do, that'll do. (laughs) Wonderful, as I said uh, about 10 minutes ago, wonderful to speak to Destiny. She is, of course, one of the favourites to win Eurovision this year. And imagine... I think we're doing her a disservice. She's the favourite to win Eurovision this year. I'm just adding the caveat of the fact that we're recording on Monday and something could happen between now and Wednesday. So I'm saying, very openly, she's one of the favourites. But yeah, she is the favourite. To win Eurovision this year, and imagine Eurovision in Malta. I remember when you spoke to Krista Bjorkman last month. He was very desperate to see Malta win. It's almost like Krista knows something. No, I'm joking. Krista obviously doesn't know that Malta's going to win Eurovision. You start a conspiracy here. We're not going to... No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But what James is trying to say is that, yes, Krista did say, who knows, maybe Malta can win Eurovision. And if they do, maybe we could have it outside. How exciting would that be? I certainly wouldn't accept... Uh, Eurovision Outdoors in Iceland, for example. However, in Mediterranean Malta, as I'm sure the tourist board names itself, love that outside. Absolutely love that. If they don't name themselves Mediterranean Malta, they're uh, missing a bit of alliterative fun, aren't they? Certainly are. They can hire me and pay me thousands just for that name. I'm going to copyright it right now. Good luck with that. Really good luck with that. (laughs) Um, I don't think it's worth your time doing, though, to be honest with you. Probably not. (sighs) Here we are then. I know you're probably crying at home because you've realised that now we've got the big interview out of the way. The podcast is almost over, but fear not, we will be back again next Wednesday. But before that, it is time for the usual end to the show. Uh, New listeners, start here. This is the one second song where both me and James have to guess the Eurovision song from the first second. That's all you get. So it's it's a difficult one sometimes. Uh, there are four points on offer. Uh, although that's pointless because, I mean, me and you stopped keeping track of any kind of leaderboard on, I think, about week three, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, imagine. If you, by any stretch, have been keeping a scoreboard at home, love to know about it. I reckon Rob's probably in the lead, although I will still remember that time that he embarrassed himself greatly with Spain 2007 or something like that. I'll never let you forget that. Yeah, I was just unbelievably confident and then uh, completely wrong i think it was greece 2007 but anyway i think so uh but yeah here we are it's this week's one second song so we are after or at least i am hoping to get from james this week the artist the song title the country and the year Uh, so for the first time uh, for you at home and for james here is this week's one second song oh um Ah, I think I know it, but I'm kind of torn. You also sounded like you were in pain. Pain from knowledge deficit. (laughs) What does that mean? Is that an official official condition? (laughs) Self-diagnosed. Yeah, I'm torn. I'm split between two songs. Okay, well, that's a good place to be in, because normally you don't have two to decide from. Definitely. I've never been in this position before, but I, I am. I'm torn between two different songs from two different years, from two different countries, and obviously two different performers. Okay, well, to help you make that decision, let's hear, for the final time, 
you at home and James again. Here is this week's One Second Song. Right. Okay. I think I've decided and I think I can confidently, 100% confidently say what it is. It doesn't happen often, but I thought originally it was Pioneer. Uh, Hungry 2016. Freddy. Freddy, yeah. Uh, that could have been a bit of a ruse. Now, you could have given me the last point there, but I knew it was Freddy. But I don't think it is that. It does sound a bit piano-y, but I don't think it is. What I do think it is, is one of your favourite Eurovision songs of all time. Okay, go on. Or at least one of your favourite non-qualifiers. Um, because I think we've had this conversation before. On the podcast, I think... I think it's Ireland 2015. Molly Sterling. Playing with numbers. James Rowe. The four points are yours. No, he's done it again. We are on a roll. Four points for you. You are correct. All of those things. Bang on. Molly Sterling for Ireland in 2015 with Playing with Numbers. Before I tell you a little bit more about the song and why I picked it this week, let's have a listen. Do I owe you something? I think I do They tied a hand I made the mist in your vision And I see Dead to be paid To give a little love Was all I wanted Give a little love Was all my intent So there she is, Molly Sterling Playing with numbers, James is right. One of my favourite ever non-qualifiers at the Eurovision Song Contest. She finished 12th in the second semi-final at Eurovision 2015. And another little bonus fun fact for you. She is Ireland's youngest ever competitor at the Eurovision Song Contest. Really? She was just 17. Wow. Well, I didn't know that. You follow the stats. But the question on my lips, you can hear it on my lips right now, is why did you choose that? Well, you're after a tenuous link, and I will give you one. <laughs> so uh, your big interview this week was with Destiny. Yes, it was. Destiny is representing... Malta. Malta made their debut at Eurovision in 1971. Who hosted Eurovision <laughs> in 1971? That's right, James. Ireland hosted Eurovision in 1971 after Dana won the contest in 1970 with all kinds of everything. And that is how we got to Ireland and more specifically, Molly Sterling. That is a ridiculous link. I'm glad you chose a song 44 years after Ireland hosted the contest and not the song that the had when they hosted the contest because I certainly wouldn't have got four points. You wouldn't have got Angela Farrell with One Day Love. Is that what you're telling me? That didn't come from Rob's brain. I can see him looking at his computer screen from where I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not that on it about the uh, <laughs> 1971 contest. Uh, who won the 1971 contest, James? Uh, I don't know. Netherlands. It was Monaco. Ah, uh, co- do you know what? I read that yesterday. I can't believe I forgot that. Never mind. Anyway, that's it. We're done. I think. The one second song is over and it is time for us to say goodbye from our fair podcast to you. Uh, But as ever, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for getting in touch. And remember, you can still do so. Uh, You can get in touch. We are on Twitter, of course, uh, at Eurotrip Podcast. We're on Instagram as well. And we are on the email. We are hello at EurotripPodcast.com. So that is where you need to send your 
I was going to say applications for the <laughs> Trucks Eurovision Sweepstake 2021, which makes it sound like we're, we're kind of interviewing people for jobs. Yeah, it's not that official. Just uh, send over your name, your Twitter username, and just some sort of begging letter. Just, yes, please, I want to be part of the sweepstake to win some sort of marvellous prize. And very quickly, Rob, you could also win this. Oh, my goodness. There wow. they are. Whoa, people wow. will not believe that you've got your hands on one of them. Wow, can you hear that? I certainly can. That could be yours, listeners. Wow, whatever it is. If you want a chance to win that, whatever that was, hello at youtubepodcast.com. But we're done until next week, because hopefully I don't think we're doing another bonus episode in the next seven days. Don't think we are anyway. Who knows? We probably will now have said that. I'm waiting on a couple of emails. That's all I'll say. Well, we'll soon see. If we don't, if Rob doesn't get any responses to any emails, we will be back with you next Wednesday. And until then, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review. It would be great if you could leave us a review. That would be very, very nice indeed. And it would also be very lovely if you could rate us five stars. It certainly would. Uh, from me, it's goodbye. Uh, from from our old pal, we haven't heard from him for ages. And I'm sure uh, Corinne's probably missing him because oh, she, no. she mentioned how much of a fan she was a, a, a while ago, a couple of months ago. Uh, from your friend of mine, uh, Sir Terry Wogan. Ho, 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 It's lovely to hear the old island on the one second song this week. Ho, 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 good boy. We've had so many listeners come on board since Terry was last on. Can you imagine them all turning off now? We're never coming back to this podcast. If they turn off now, though, at least they've got to the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, they're not coming back, though, are they? Anyway, from me, James, it's goodbye. Oh, yeah, actually, we had a lot. We used a lot of cutlery yesterday, and then we mm-hmm. had the tiramisu afterwards. And um, so then it, all the dishes have been washed, but not dried and put away. Well, what I'm trying to say is, I tried to cut a sandwich with mm. a with a shitty knife. Oh, it was a terrible disaster. And try and cut a sandwich with a butter knife. You've never ever tried to do that before. That's quite tricky. What? Cut a sandwich with a butter knife? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Oh, Jesus. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.